Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath January 1, we look at Lesson 1, the letter to the Hebrews and to us. Join us as we discover what we have in common with the original audience of the Book of Hebrews. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are, lesson one of a brand new quarter, Michael, the message of the Hebrews. Yeah, what exciting a book to delve into. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this uh, quarter. I am as well, and... Uh, the lesson one is titled the letter to the Hebrews and to us and Hebrews 10 verse 36 is our memory text, new King James version for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And here we just got done with Deuteronomy, you know, this this, (laughs) beautiful message of love and the covenant. And yet we see these same themes again. It's like, it's like they planned this, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, so, Michael, can you uh, lead us, uh, talk, telling us a little bit about Sunday's lesson, A Glorious Beginning? Absolutely. Well, you know, anytime you read a book, who was it written for? And what's the kind of the purpose, the audience? And uh, you begin to see a little bit of this context here at the beginning of the book, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? And this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord talking about Christ, of course, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Amen. So we're dealing with the early Christian church, especially the Jewish uh, Christians. And part of what was really a defining moment in belief was whether you believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior. And so there's all these different aspects that are connected to this and explaining in a way that a Jewish mind can understand who Jesus is and how that relates to um, this concept of salvation, personal salvation. Why do we believe? Well, there's lots of different reasons. The most compelling for the early Christians was those who actually heard Christ. Mm -hmm. Those were his disciples. They carried authority. Uh, It wasn't because of some magical... (laughs) <laughs> uh, magic they had, right? That no. was the kind. It was because they actually had heard and known and experienced yes. Jesus personally, and so they were sharing that testimony. And um, in addition to that, there were all those other things too. You know, the signs and miracles and wonders, and most of all, the Holy Spirit. And so this is this testimony uh, that's continuing among the early Christians. And uh, that, and by the way, it's also important to clarify: the early Christians weren't perfect. No. They struggled. Yeah, they 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 definitely struggled. We're talking about that uh, coming up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So before I don't want to get into that too quick, but I I want to just preface that 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 these early Christians loved Jesus, and so the setting of Hebrews is this message of the gospel, this living encounter they had with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that sets the context. For everything else, and yeah. uh, now, now back to that struggle, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we get to Monday's lesson, one of the things that I I saw in Hebrews two, three, and four, Michael, as mm-hmm. I was going through, and even as you're speaking, yeah, is the call of discipleship. Ooh. Um, 
I, I know things have shifted over the centuries where yeah. we have a call to Christianity, yeah. but you can be a Christian without being a disciple, but Christ has called us all to be disciples. Have mercy. And disciples have a relationship with the Savior. Mm-hmm. They follow after his life and teachings and therefore are molded mm-hmm. by those things. Yeah. Uh, our discipleship handbook in the Seventh-day Adventist uh, discipleship handbook, page three says, discipleship are, is, is becoming more like Jesus by spending time with Jesus. Mm. Uh, but it's also something else. It's also spending time with one another in being molded as disciples, just as, the, as just Jesus has shown us. You know, the, the verse that comes to mind is the passage in uh, Acts uh, chapter 2. Yes. Um, you know, this beautiful description that all the believers were together and held everything in common. That uh, they did indeed. In, in verse 32, just a little bit before that, is that they're of all one heart and mind. Yes. And, and so sometimes I think we mistake um, uniformity for actual unity. Unity, yeah. That, that everyone has to look the same. And it doesn't mean they look the same, but they're all headed to the same destination. We're talking, I guess, about that before, right? Yes, that, yeah, that, it's, it's And that important. destination is Christ. Mm-hmm. And so as Christians, we know that discipleship is patterned and modeled. Uh, we see and behold Jesus, and the more we see Jesus, we see how unlike Jesus we are and our need of Jesus in our lives. Yes, I, I completely agree, Michael. And along with that, as we mm-hmm. said earlier, comes a struggle. Yeah. And so Monday's lesson gets straight, straight way into it in Hebrews 10, 32 to 34, mm-hmm. which says, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, that you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, uh, both mm. by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were, uh, who, uh, of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted uh, accepted the plundering of your goods, mm. knowing, listen to this, knowing that you have a better uh, have a better and enduring pa- possession for yourselves in heaven. Yeah. So yeah. they were enduring persecution. They were being mm-hmm. ridiculed. They were actually going through a real struggle. Mm. Uh, and so when I ask here, what was the experience of the audience of the Hebrews after their conversion? It wasn't rosy and, and and golden flakes before them. Prosperity gospel wasn't there for them. They were plundered. They were taken from. Yeah. And yet they were filled with joy and yeah. they're filled with passion mm. because uh, their passion wasn't fueled by their by the good things that were happening to them. It was fueled by the relationship they had with one another and with Christ. Yeah. And uh, I think it's Martin Luther King Jr. who says, unless a man is willing to die for something, he is unfit to live. Yeah. And they found something to they're willing to die for. Yeah. Uh, and I challenge the audience back now with, with you. What, what is it that you're willing to, to stand for? Yeah. To stand against it's convictions. Because, yeah. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. Ooh. Right. And so this then leads us to Hebrews 11, 24 to 26, asking this question. How do the experiences of Moses and the readers of First Peter uh, help us understand why Christian believers were persecuted? Uh, And this is I found this very, very interesting as I was going through it. I'm, I'm bringing it up here now. Uh, But as Hebrews 11, 24 through 26 says this, it says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter after choosing uh, or choosing rather to suffer affliction with God's people, uh, with God's people of God, with the people of God than to enjoy the passing of pleasures of sin. Mm. Esteeming the reproach or reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked uh, he looked to the reward. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a promise for us, which is departed gratification, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, I'm yeah. willing to give up gratification now in yeah. order to have it further up. But also saying that by denying myself of these pleasures, yeah. I do receive gratification in that. Wow. Right? And so uh, uh, kicking it back once again to the audience, what is it in your life that maybe you need to give up in order mm-hmm. to gain? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is it that you're willing to gain in order to give up? Right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's a vice versa there. Yeah. Uh, and First uh, Peter, I, I, I just wrote down here, uh, a mark here, that that they were defamed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for following Christ, they were yeah. defamed. And are you willing to, to go mm-hmm. through the same thing? Yeah. Because oftentimes we come to Christ looking for the goodness, yeah. not realizing that we have to accept all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And one of the things I like about that passage in First Peter is it talks about don't be ashamed if you suffer as a Christian. Yes. And I, I, I take encouragement from that because... You know, in the Middle East, there was the shame honor culture, mm-hmm. and and I think actually all cultures kind of have this a little bit. You know, you put me down, so I'm going to get even, yes. that kind of thing, right? But it's especially so in that kind of cultural setting, right? And and so if you suffer, don't feel that your shame or your honor has been diminished in some way, because actually it's been enhanced because you are standing for Jesus Christ. And so the there's something greater at work here. There's a greater honor that is more important. And I think we have to remember that. I, it comes back to these early Christians. They didn't have everything rosy and everything was shiny and perfect. No. They, they had to really struggle. And we like to idealize them because it's so long ago. And we put them up on a pedestal. The early Christian church, they were so perfect. If we could only be like the early Christian church, well... Mm. I don't know about that. <laughs> there, there's a reason why the letters were written to them. Yeah. And it wasn't just because you guys are perfect. It was because there was some correction in there as well, yeah. some rebuke. And this is, I think, part of this historical fallacy. We like to idealize the past, but the past has always Ooh. been made up of the reality of human beings just like you and me. Yes. That struggle. Yeah. That struggle. And the same power that was offered to them is mm-hmm. the same power that's offered to us yeah. in, a, in a different context. And Absolutely. that's okay. And, and so I, I thank you for bringing that point up, Michael. So tell us a little bit about the malaise, uh, yeah. Tuesday's lesson. So, you know, this comes back to the same kind of point that uh, these early Christians were struggling, that they were suffering, uh, some were put into prison. Uh, and these periods of persecution, I know there's been a lot of work by scholars of the early Christian church, you know, that, uh, you know, how many people actually were martyred? Have these accounts been exaggerated? Well, it probably is true, but it doesn't diminish the fact that there were intense times of persecution where they were thrown to the lions, so to speak, or put into prison or where the church struggled, suffered financially or lack of food or psychologically. All of those things can cause a person to, as is quoted in the lesson from Hebrews twelve three, to to potentially lose heart uh, because human beings... Um, struggle. It's 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 messy. Life is messy. It's hard. It's complicated. And yet, in the midst of that, um, there's we're reminded <laughs> of the story of Elijah, right? Oh, in yes. First Kings nineteen, and I'm reminded of this because my my son's doing PBE. You know, uh, Pathfinders having to memorize uh, for First Kings is their book, right? Oh so yes, <laughs> <laughs> they've got the story down, right? Literally, oh, yes. and uh, Elijah freaks out. You know, he just takes off with, Runs. with Jezebel, like, you know, 
I'm just, I'm out of here. Yeah. And after God had done this incredible victory and everything else, and yet he just loses it. Yeah. And because there's a, it's a bounty on his head, right? He knows it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just like, you know, and am I the only one left? I mean, that's kind of where he's at. And, um, and uh, so here's this, this death threat, which this is when life gets much more serious, right? It's not right. just kind of the ho-hum of life that, you know, someone's really out to get you. And it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, goes to Beersheba, which is way in the south of, of Israel. It's still actually there. You can go visit the city of Beersheba. Um, and, uh, and then he goes even further into the Negev or the wilderness. And that's where he says, uh, you know, I'm ready to die. Just take me out. I, I can't handle it anymore and uh, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And I think that's a moment that perhaps um, nobody desires, but no. probably everyone gets to at some point in their life where they realize just everything seems messed up. Everything, everything's falling apart. Kind of like Job, you know, it's just don't know why, but it's just everything's falling apart. And and it's at those moments at your lowest when sometimes God can actually do his greatest, and that's the work, that that work of the Holy Spirit, that miracle, to suddenly realize, hey, I need to depend upon God. I need to surrender my life and say, God, um, I've I've messed up. And it doesn't matter, you know, what it is. It could be on a personal level or professional level or um, and certainly on a spiritual level. But, but God wants our attention. He wants us to surrender ourselves to he him. He does. So we're at our lowest. God's at his finest. Mm. And well, that's he where we're strongest. to work on the middle of our mal- malaise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we press together, Buster? Uh, well, it continues the story of First mm-hmm. Kings 19, 5 through 18. And sure. it says, what did God do to restore the faith of Elijah? And mm-hmm. I just wrote down some key points here. He fed yeah. him. No. He encouraged him. Ooh, I like he that. Starts with him. food. Yeah, I know. It starts with food. <laughs> you know, several pastors do. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? Yeah. He's supposed to come in yeah. and dine with yeah. us and sup with us. Mm-hmm. He wants to encourage us, and yeah. food li- oftentimes lifts up our spirits. It does. Uh, and so he fed him. He encouraged him. Mm-hmm. Then he, you know, at that uh, time where he went out to the mountain and he spoke to him in a still, small voice. Yeah. He also hydrated him, right? He gave him water. Ooh. Uh, he, he, he met his needs, and he wow. was with him. Wow. And that's what God wants to do with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also wants to utilize us to make mm-hmm. sure one another's needs are being met. Yeah. We are yeah. The, the hands, the eyes, the ears, the mouth of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. therefore, when you continue these things. And then uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 3, it gets into a little bit more. Uh, and I highlight this one spe- specifically because this question was asked, what did Paul suggest that the believers should do? As far as uh, pressing together, mm-hmm. beware, brethren, lest there be any of you, uh, any of you, an evil heart with an evil heart or unbelief in departing from the living God. Yeah. But exhort, encourage one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Mm-hmm. We, ha- for we have become partakers of Christ if yeah. we hold uh, the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the very end, mm. and and just recognizing. It's our duty to encourage one another, to be with one another. And while we're in the trenches, to mm-hmm. to not just stand outside the trenches and say, hey, you're okay down there, but to actually crawl down into the trenches with yeah. one another yeah. so we can get through this the way that mm. God has called us to, yeah. which is together. Uh, and so uh, the, the Wednesday's lesson is called Press Together. So hopefully we press together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, Michael, tell us about these last days, though. You know, and th- this comes back to this 
fundamental orientation as we're starting the book of Hebrews that, and, and a lot of people wrestle with this, right? Because there's these different texts in the New Testament where it's quite clear that those early Christians believed Christ would come during their lifetime, during the the lives or the that time period of the early Christian church, yes. right? So people are kind of wondering, like, if that's the case, and yet it's been 2,000 years were they trying to deceive them? Were they wrong? Is this how how do I make sense of that, right? Right. And and that raises the question of the whole great controversy in all of salvation history. There has been always a sense of fervent expectation, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, when God promised to restore humanity. Right. Uh, that there would be a promised heir, there would be the seed, there would be the Messiah. Right. And so every generation has waited and hoped with fervent expectation. That's not to say that that fervent expectation is wrong or shouldn't be uh, in in line with uh, everything else, uh, but that's to say that every generation has a responsibility to, to look forward to Christ's return and, and to work in some kind of way to help contribute, hopefully, by God's grace to help make that that happen. Mm. Um, and so these last days, they were the last days for them. And and by the way, when each of us, until Christ comes and puts an end to sin and death, each of us will die. The next thing we know, we will see Jesus come. Amen. That will be the last days. Now, yeah. I believe fully there will be a final generation. Uh, but this this is talking specifically of that blessed hope and waiting for Christ to come. The early Christian church, they didn't know that there's going to be so much time that would elapse, but they did have a responsibility um, and fervent expectation mm. to do what they could within their yes. ability to further the gospel and, message. And, and my, so, Michael, I yeah. have to add this because you yeah. just you just hit the nail on the head, yeah. which is they lived for responsibility and for uh, mm -hmm. you know adulation, but but yeah. towards Christ, they didn't live in fear. Yeah. This was not meant to say, "Hey, you better get it right because mm -hmm. these are the last days." No, yeah. these are the last days. I may never have a chance to share the gospel with my neighbors again. Yeah. Uh, I may never have a chance mm -hmm. to, you know, so, so it's this, this heightened sense, not of fear, yeah. but of responsibility and, and, and the presence of God in our lives yeah. of opportunities that are golden, that are yeah. right before our very eyes. If we had just take advantage of them mm -hmm. while the day is still nigh, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not fear. Mm -hmm. This is, this is glorious, glorious, a chance to, to share these in these opportunities to spread the gospel. You know, when I was a young person, I gave my heart to Christ. I felt a call to ministry, and I thought to myself, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to get through college. And probably, <laughs> most certainly wouldn't get married, and most definitely would not have kids or be a religion teacher someday, you know? <laughs> I just couldn't possibly imagine that. But rather than be a sense of, oh, Christ hasn't come, uh, so therefore I'm off the hook and so I can just kind of chill and relax and not do anything. Um, the, the, as time goes on, that increases that fervent expectation. It's kind of like a loved one that's gone and the longer they've been gone on a trip, um, the more you just look forward to seeing them when they get back, yes, right? Yes, anticipation we, grows. We, we just had this, right? My my wife did her comps down at Baylor. Yes. Her, her, her PhD and- Congrats, Heidi. She, yeah, congrats, <laughs> Heidi. Uh, uh, two weeks she was gone. And, and we're supportive. We wanted her to get through this hurdle. But let me tell you, when we had that reunion, she was done. 
um, how precious that was, right? Yeah. And and that's the same, I think, in a small, just a microcosm, but so much greater. So if we have that fervent expectation, it doesn't mean we suddenly get lazy and, and apathetic. It should all the more create a sense of urgency, um, not so focused in, in what can I, you know, to somehow make myself better. But if we're in that relationship, it's to say, wow, God is such a great and amazing loving God. I have one more opportunity to share his love with others and to live in a sense. Um, I, You know, the person that comes to mind, Buster, is our, our mutual friend, Dan Cerns. Mm, yeah. I, I just love how he uses every opportunity when he's traveling, wherever he is, just saying, you know, hey, um, this is a chance to share God's love with just one more person. Give me one more, Lord. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he always cap- he tries to capitalize on those, and it's, it's fun to be around. So all of these things together, I think, make the book of Hebrews a just an incredible, uh, both a book for the, the world of the Hebrews of the first century that is being addressed through this book, but it's also an incredibly relevant book for us today. And just a little secret shout out here. I, I know that we're just beginning this quarter, but we're planning on a special bonus episode Woo-hoo! with uh, Felix Cortez, good friend from seminary from years ago. He's the author. He did his dissertation on Hebrew. So I'm both thrilled that he has, is the principal contributor for this, uh, this, this quarter's uh, upcoming lesson, but also a chance for us to talk with him just a little bit, get the behind the scenes. So if you're one of our regular listeners, we invite you to tune in and watch for this special bonus episode, which will be coming here very Please soon. Please do. So uh, I think that puts a wrap for uh, the beginning of this new quarter. So um, uh, we hope you'll just join us as we go week by week as we're going to be exploring this uh, incredible book of the New Testament. Um, anything else, Buster? No, I think we, we covered it all, Michael. All right, well, we'll put a wrap. This is Soup. And Swoops signing, signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.